Privet, Janina. Privet. 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 That's the last one. That's um, the final time. The final privet. It's a shame. It's uh, not often that I get to lean hard into some Russian words. <laughs> uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, you know. All right. Yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm all right. I'm yeah. all right. The sun is shining. Um, oh, not here. Um, it's been very rainy oh. here. But... Uh, nice blue skies here. It's not often that it's that way around. I kind of like the rainy days at the minute because I get a bit stressed out when I go out on my on my daily walk and there are loads of people everywhere and when the weather is bad, there's no one around and I prefer that <laughs> at this more precise moment in time. Um, okay. So I, I went for a nice wee walk in the rain, which was lovely. When it's rainy, it's busy at work, so... Um, oh, um, yeah. Um, they're just people lurking around, dripping on all the books, so it's <laughs> sunny. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, they drip on the books anyway, but that's just because people are strange about books. Yeah. Anyway, who are we? What are we doing? Why are we here? Uh, we are Janina and Emma, and we're here to do History is Sexy for no real reason. That's, I mean, well, you know, because we, we like to. It's a, it's a vital I, public service. <laughs> it's a vital public service. And we have spent three episodes answering one question the final in our What Really Happened to Rasputin series and the episode in which we are going to talk about what probably didn't really happen to Rasputin. Yeah. Or what may... People said happened to Rasputin. Maybe we'll call it that. The many um, and varied rumours re-Rasputin. Yeah. Um, of which they began immediately. And then we're going to do a close textual analysis of the greatest text written about Rasputin, Boney M's Ra Ra Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Point um, by point, cons- where point were they point. right and where were they wrong? And where they have, um, you know, what can we say about their conclusions regarding yeah. Rasputin? Uh, yeah. So that's something to look forward to. <laughs> uh, I finally watched Anastasia. Oh, yes, we should have to talk about Anastasia. Uh, yeah, I feel like I was not prepared for the <laughs> yeah. reveal that the plot of Anastasia is that Rasputin has sold his soul to end the line of the Romanovs for reasons that are never given, and that's what causes a 1916 revolution. I did think I'd warned you about that, but apparently I, did, I just thought uh, about I it. Maybe I had just blanked it. Maybe. It does um, seem wildly improbable. Yeah. Um, and then I did some reading about it, and they were like, oh, we decided not to mention communists at all because we didn't want to get into politics. <laughs> I was like, well, what? We wanted, okay, we wanted to make a movie about a revolution and not get into politics. That is a not bold mention, stance. Gonna... So introduce the devil instead. Yeah, let's do, let's do uh, I guess, essentially Satanism instead. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but that was a good time. And sure, I had a good time. Yeah, it's a ripping, uh, but... a ripping film, that one. It is a ripping film. Um, yeah. It's got a couple of good songs in it. Yeah, uh, feel like I learned nothing about Rasputin. He didn't even have glowing eyes. Which I think we'll get to I later. think you learnt. Uh, it's like negative learning, you know. You... Yeah, it might have pushed things out of my head. Actually, <laughs> it might have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but today we're going to talk about uh, the the response to Rasputin's death after his murder. And then the kind of rumours that swirled around official and unofficial circles mm-hmm. um, to try to explain what had happened. Uh, in particular, the story that the British government had murdered Rasputin. Yeah. Or that British agents had been involved in some way. Which is, when you start to dig into it, like you can put together a very convincing theory. Yeah, I mean, the the logic behind why they would, like, tracks, it makes sense. Um, and they also seem to be a lot of English people lurking around in St. Petersburg, hanging out with Yusupov mm-hmm. and Mikhailovich, um, and none of them know what the rest of them are doing. <laughs> <laughs> it is, again, and we've asked this 
again and again, and we really do need someone to make it happen. One of the chief reasons why this needs to be made into a movie by Armando Onugio, because he's the only one that could do it. Yeah. And th- there is so much, what do you call it, like um, governmental Wild incompetence. incompetence. But yeah. particularly in, you know, government bureaucracy, just on all sides. Yeah, everyone is just, nobody knows what, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. The The left hand doesn't know that the right hand is there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. Uh, And they all are just like sending each other telegrams um, Uh of like nonsense. So all like five steps behind all of the other like intelligence services. Completely out. Yeah, at best, really, (laughs) at best. Yeah, so the English are there and there are two um, British government intelligence services. There's a British military centre and a British intelligence centre in St. Petersburg. And there is a guy called um, Samuel Hoare, who is (laughs) the head of British intelligence. And then there are a couple of guys... Um, there is a Captain Stephen Alley um, and a Captain John Scale, who are members uh, high up in British military control. Mm-hmm. And they are all constantly sending, uh, I keep wanting to say emails, and <laughs> like cables. Um, it would have been emails. Um, Samuel Hoare, mm-hmm. um, in a cable that speaks very poorly for British intelligence in, and also for that matter, for Russian intelligence in St. Petersburg, uh, <laughs> The day after Rasputin was killed, sent a long 10-page cable to back to England. That must have been expensive. Uh, to London. It was extensive. Uh, yeah, very expensive. Um, in what he called the style of the Daily Mail, um, <laughs> declaring that Rasputin had been killed during an orgy uh-huh. uh, with up to five women. Mm-hmm. And that he had been told this by the Minister of Minister of Foreign Affairs, right? A thing that suggests that neither the Minister for Foreign Affairs nor Samuel Hall, the head of British intelligence in Russia, were paying attention to Yusupov, the man who killed him, who was going around telling everybody what happened. I mean, I can understand not paying attention to Yusupov. He did was talking <laughs> a lot about some dog that never existed. So he was. We can't. Yeah. We can't blame them too much for that. Um, but it feels like everybody knew what had happened apart from all of the intelligence services Mm -hmm. Um, who very much seemed it's almost like they were determined not to know what was happening because yeah they're an intelligence service who who is just making things up basically yeah and Hoare is very bad at his job um (laughs) they're like a couple of weeks before he Rasputin was murdered the Russian papers um had reported I think it was called the Russian word uh the paper had reported that Rasputin had employed English detectives from Scotland Yard Mm -hmm. to protect him because everybody wanted to murder him and everybody knew that everybody wanted to murder him and that these were in fact not policemen but were secret agents sent by um, what is now MI6, but was then called MI1C, mm-hmm. to murder Rasputin. Sure, I mean, that's as good a way to murder someone as any, is by pretending to be their bodyguard. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, yeah. why not? They, the English do desperately quite want Rasputin dead because there is a general belief that um, Nicholas wants out of the war, that Res- Alexandra wants out of the war, and that Rasputin is encouraging them to make a separate peace with Germany, Which and that Russia mean will drop out of the war. All sorts of German forces are suddenly pointed back against the yeah. Western Which Front, where effectively ends the Eastern Front. Yeah, um, and in 1917, after an exhausting and terrible Western Front for several years, so they, there is a fear that this is going to happen, and then there is a general belief that they the British want him dead in order to prevent that from happening Um, however because Hoare is quite bad at his job his response to reading this in the newspaper like this obvious nonsense that how do they know that their secret agent sent from Britain to kill this is a Russian like um, and obviously have you ever seen Rasputin with any English people anyway he cabled MI6 in order to ask them if it was true and if so could he have the name and contact details of the Russian secret agents (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, just get on the Crack phone him. and be like, can you tell me about these other secret agents that are here? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Slightly better at his job was a guy called Sir George Buchanan, mm-hmm. um, who was also attached to the intelligence services um, and was pals with the Tsar and Tsarina. He was believed to be controlling and monitoring everything in Russia, which is quite fun. That's a, that's a big claim. <laughs> Um, but he definitely knew that there was a plot happening because on the 18th of December, so 12 days before Rasputin died, mm. he cabled uh, his friend and said, I was told about a week ago by a friend who is in close touch with some of the younger Grand Dukes that a number of the officers have sworn to kill Rasputin before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely aware that there was a plot and did nothing to stop him. Yeah. Which again, like if you are if you are serving a country that believes that their interests will be better served by Rasputin being dead than alive, I guess you would do nothing about it. Yeah, why would you? He's not he's not the police. He's a spy. And all of this is um compounded by the fact that um Yusupov was very friendly with a guy who was part of the British intelligence mission called Oswald Rayner. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of name that hasn't existed since about 1945. Everyone called Oswald died in 1945 <laughs> and no one has been called Oswald since. Except for the penguin. Yes, that's fair. Um, and that's why no one else is <laughs> <laughs> um, He went to university with Yusupov mm-hmm. um, on the three days a year that Yusupov turned up at university. Yeah. Um, and presumably spent a lot of his younger years hanging out in Yusupov's black carpeted apartments with his cows. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the day of the murder, Yusupov visited him six times. That's a lot. I don't think I've ever visited anyone six times in one day. In one, and not unless I don't. I can't even think of a reason why you would go see someone six times in one day. Um, <laughs> and then they remained very close friends afterwards. And uh, Rayner was the translator and probably co or ghost writer of Yusupov's first memoir, Rasputin, and why he had to die. Mm-hmm. And so it is. This was looked very, very suspicious, particularly to uh, Germans and Bulgarians and people on the other side of the war. Mm-hmm. And immediately after the death, they were cabling around to one another and the king of Bulgaria was told and German intelligence believed that um, a young Englishman was among the murderers, presumably referring to Rainer, um, and that this Englishman kind of directed everything and that he disposed of the body as well mm-hmm. um, and that the British were therefore the true masterminds behind the murder of Rasputin in order to keep Russia in the war sure and then a kind of fake maybe fake letter came out um, that uh, from Stephen Alley to John Scale who are parts of the military control department mm-hmm. who uh, refer to Rasputin by his code name that he obviously has in the British military. Um, uh-huh. And his code name is Dark Forces. <laughs> it's terrible. I know, it's so unconvincing. See, so Douglas Smith, who, as you know, I love, mm-hmm. um, he is very kind of circumspect about all of this. Mm. And he says, that his gut feeling is that the British were not officially involved, but that there was a lot of British intelligence. Like it didn't hurt them if Rasputin died. Yeah. Um. Uh, and it would they wouldn't complain in any way, shape, or form. But they weren't going to go out of their way. Yeah. Um. And they might gently encourage Yusupov. Um. To, uh, to like if he was expressing doubts, they might be there going. Yeah. Oh come Which- on. Like Fuck that, up, young man. That's the only thing that really makes sense because Britain is very much relying on Russia in World War One. Yeah. And if Russia found out, if the Tsar found out that British spies had assassinated the beloved Rasputin, um, I don't think that that would inspire him to stay on their side in this war. I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think that it would have helped their... Um, helps their international relations no um so but his that's his basic like his kind of gut feeling that they encouraged it that they would maybe um 
that potentially they would be saying things like, oh, well, you know, if you need asylum, then Britain's here for you. Yeah. Um, but his general feeling is that if the British intelligence had been involved, that they would have enacted a more successful and (laughs) professional murder and it would have involved less rolling around in the snow and pretending to have shot a dog. I mean, um, you would hope, but then also um, it does not seem like these particular agents were consistently at the top of the game at this point in time. (laughs) No, see, this is my feeling, um, (laughs) is that he then goes on to describe a whole bunch of stuff that the British are doing where they do not know what they who is who what they are they barely know their own faces they're like cabling back to britain saying like i just read in the german newspaper that rasputin's been killed yeah and like oh hey do you know anything about this um i know that i am the spy in russia but does anyone in england know anything about the murder that just happened about this i could use Um, some intel yeah so (laughs) that um so I, f- I find it quite sweet that he's like, oh, well, it would have been much better if these lads had been in charge. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so that is the kind of general feeling. But as to like what really happened, but there is a very strong belief that the English, um, the British intelligence really did have an active role in it mm-hmm. and that they were planning to do it as well. Um, there were stories swirling around um, George Buchanan for a, almost a year before mm-hmm. he uh, Rasputin died that he was plotting to kill Rasputin uh, and he had to personally promise the Tsar that he definitely wasn't going to kill him. That also, I think that makes a, a strong argument for they had nothing to do with it. Not in that I believe, you know, that that promises something that you can hang your hat on. But it's just really, really stupid. If you have been rumoured to be about to kill someone for a year, <laughs> to actually kill that person is, um, it's very, very stupid. It's a, it's a foolish yeah. move to make. And I, yeah, I don't think that, that it would make any it sense. Would, you think that they would be better at it than that. Um, but yeah. there are quite a lot of um, historians today who will still argue it. There's a story, a book by Andrew Cook um, mm. called To Kill Rasputin. Yes, I read um, that one. It was very, very, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I bet it was. Um, <laughs> he's not very good at his job. Um <laughs> But what he does do is he kind of dug up the a lot of auto, um, autopsies, um, obituaries, mm. um, and found that uh, Muriel Scale, um, being the daughter of Captain Scale, claims that her dad personally killed Rasputin and spent quite a lot of time going around telling people that her I dad mean, killed Rasputin. That's a fun story to tell at parties, but it doesn't mean it's true. No. Um, and... Uh, the um, Rainer's obituary, um, which was written by some kind of distant relative, according to his nephew, because he don't think he ever had children, also claimed that he had personally killed Rasputin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, they... They seem like um, they continued to be bad spies, didn't they? I don't think that... It, they did, you, they just went around telling everybody... To- yeah, you don't. If you are a spy, you don't need to spend the rest of your life being like, "Oh yeah, that I did that. I did that murder. I did that." Yeah. You know who needs to do that? Yusupov needs to do that. Yes, because he is not a spy. He is just a hapless young man who unfortunately man. ended up doing a big important thing. And yet, still the only one with guts enough to actually put poison in the wine. <laughs> yes. God, I love Yusupov. <laughs> god bless him um yeah. we need to find a good a good casting for yusuf of yeah. um please tell us your casting thoughts i was thinking samuel barnett but like 15 years ago yeah um, um i reckon andrew reynolds could could do it although also actually maybe rupert friend rupert friend was extremely good in the death of stalin so he was very good in the death of stalin actually he would be great he would we could be great, just use We'd just recast everybody from the death of Stalin. Yeah, just shift um, them, step them over. Um, it is quite fun, though, that Yuspov um, doesn't mention really any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it would kind of um, steal... He doesn't want to give away his own thunder. They're doing the He's not giving away it. his own He's thunder. Not gonna, he's not going to leave it. Um, 
Oh, that reminds me of something that I forgot to um, forgot to say last week, actually, which is that um, a couple of literary kind of critics of uh, Yusupov's memoir have pointed out that his version of Rasputin, the devil refusing to die, mm-hmm. um, like kind of rearing up constantly from the dead with his eyes bulging out, um, is remarkably similar to an account of a creepy old man who refuses to die even though he's been shot in a Dostoevsky short story (laughs) called The Landlady. (laughs) Interesting. Um, And it is quite similar. (laughs) In a manner that suggests that whoever Yusupov got to write the book just kind of copied and pasted it in (laughs) yeah just a little bit of light plagiarism in a real life account if you change the names and you can call it intertextuality oh sure Um. yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a reference yeah it's an illusion yeah um yeah so that's the the belief and the ongoing belief because you will still find books like the Andrew Cook one um, and various other ones that will um, forward the conspiracy theory, basically. Helped along by the fact that MI6 have never published their Rasputin files, the files that they have on the mm. fact that they were all clearly, probably because they're rubbish. They're all yeah. just like, I read in the newspaper that he had a, he <laughs> employed someone from Britain. Um, just cutting and pasting things from tabloids and sending it to London. Everyone here is talking about this thing and I don't know anything about it, even though I am the spy. But there you go. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm very poor at my job and no one will tell me anything. Do you know anything? Um, Idiots. Uh, So quite possibly it's just embarrassing. Yeah, probably. I'm going to assume that it's that because I feel like if they... What, like at this point there's no reason to hide them if they were involved because uh it's not the, all of all of the people who would have been upset like the a, a, the diplomatic incident that it could have been was averted by the subsequent revolution like none of the bolsheviks cared about well there is arguments that it would still be a, a kind of diplomatic incident because um Putin has such a thing for um even though he regularly murders people on foreign soil mm-hmm. um murdering people British on Russian soil, soil. yeah uh, murdering people on Russian soil would be a line too far sure and he has spoken about that in the past um, yeah. and suggested that he would consider it to be a diplomatic incident. Um, I'm trying to find the bit in the book now, but uh, if you search for Putin, it comes up with just Rasputin, which is really unhelpful, isn't it? That's uh, is very, uh, <laughs> extremely unhelpful. They should have um, thought of that. Anyway, so basically he has spoken about, um, you know, Russian sovereignty and uh, that if it was revealed that he had, that the British were actively involved in some way. Um, I tend huh. to suspect that it was a gentle encouragement um, of yeah. uh, hanging out with Yusupov and bucking him up six times during the day. God, by the time you rang the doorbell on the fifth time, you'd be like, yes, yes, Yusupov. Yes, Felix, fine. <laughs> you know how those, those tweets go around every so often where it's like, here's a photo of Boris Johnson looking really terrible. He sure would hate it if everyone shared this and and yes. please please do not retweet this embarrassing photo like it would have been like that like would be it would be such a sh- I definitely don't think that anyone should kill <laughs> if you're thinking about doing that I definitely think that you should not <laughs> I think it would be like uh like a therapist and that Yusupov would be like oh I just don't know like on the one hand do I do this and then Raina would be there being like and how does that make you feel does it make you feel bad and like just kind of a little bit of uh, platonic questioning to guide him. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you feel like you might be able to deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but also I think that possibly by the time he rang the doorbell on the last time, um, he might just be like, oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Either do it or um, not. Yeah. Um, yeah, we only know about that incidentally because Yusupov's driver 
Um, oh, really? Some interviews in which he said that he had driven Yusupov back and forth between <laughs> the two houses like six times that day. Um, poor driver. Yeah, and he gave that in trying to support the idea that the British were involved. Um, <laughs> but there is like that you have all of this stuff that like there are they are all there. They are all talking about it. They do have a reason. Um, the Germans and Bulgarians definitely do believe it. Um, the Swedish believe it as well. Hmm. Uh, and they are all. And people had been talking about it from about six months beforehand. Um, yeah. But so it's all quite it's all quite fun. Yeah. Also, I'm just going to say that uh, Nikolai Mikhailovich, who is a Grand Duke, another one of the interminable Grand Dukes, um, <laughs> he claimed, and I don't think that we said this last time, that the only logical reason why Rasputin, who knew that everyone in the world wanted to kill him, would go to Yusupov's house for a midnight two-man party in a basement that, as far as he was aware, was unfurnished because apparently he was unaware that Yusupov love to furnish things if there was a room in Yusupov's house that was unfurnished like even a tiny little closet that was unfurnished yeah no I just don't believe no. it could be possible just against the laws and of I nature. don't believe it possible because I have read the description of every room he ever entered <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, his only logical reason that he could come up with was that uh, Gregory and Yusupov were in fact totally bonin sure yeah I mean um, which is uh then took me down a rabbit hole where I was like wondering what happened to Rasputin's penis. And I found out what happened to Rasputin's alleged penis, which if you remember from last time, Maria, uh, his daughter, ends her book by saying that she is kind of kidnapped by some people in Paris who take her to a secret um, apartment where an ancient old lady shows her the enormous preserved penis of her father that she claimed to have rescued after Yusupov cut it off um, from the basement of the Yusupov Palace uh, and they had then been worshipping it as the cock of Christ mm-hmm. um, it's a you know uh, it's a story it's a story it's and a, a half story. Um, at some point it kind of meandered around and um, and then a guy called Michael Augustine of California purchased the effects of a guy called Dr. Ripple. <laughs> uh-huh. Who had worked with uh, Maria on her father, on the book. Um, and so she had inherited the, mm-hmm. um, the penis. And then when, however, Michael Augustine... Um, tested the penis he found out that it was a desiccated sea cucumber (laughs) which um seemed like that might be the end of the whole story but in uh, 2004 a Mm -hmm. guy called igor knazkin Mm -hmm. um who is the head physician of the prostate center of russia's academy of sciences opened a, a museum of erotica inside a sexual health clinic in st petersburg sure um, and shows what he claims to be the Rasputin's willy. Sure. And where did he get it? He doesn't know. Well, mm. he won't say. Uh, I assume he cut it off a horse, to be honest, because it is <laughs> fully 12 inches long. And I have seen forearms that are smaller. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it's a big. It's a we will put a, a link to the wee story. Um, because it is quite horrifying to be perfectly <laughs> honest so I'll put a wee link to the story behind some things and don't look at it at work or near anyone that you like or, or if you want to protect your eyes ever sleep being again ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, the idea that someone would one have this in a fancy box and it would have to be like a box for a pair of boots yeah like a chest like a proper, yeah like you're you know. not it's not going to be a dainty box is no. what i'm saying and then would worship this kind of horrible gray thing um as yeah. the cock of christ <laughs> um yes and then that reminded me that um there are sections in maria's book good bless her 
um, <laughs> where she talks about his, uh, Rasputin's time um, as a wandering mystic, um, as an aesthetic monk. When his female devotees danced their dervish-like dances around his new figure, they too <laughs> were drawn to the worship of his phallus, endowing it with the mystical qualities as well as sexual ones. For it was an extraordinary member indeed, measuring a good 13 inches when fully erect. <laughs> Theirs was by no means a wholly lustful approach at the start of the rite, but a worship of God in his priapian form. And whichever of the female disciples was the first to perform palatio on him did so in a sense of religious practice. I have my head completely in my hands. <laughs> Imagine writing that about your dad. Yeah. It's, yeah, your dad. It's, yeah. It's, it's not okay. But it's okay because he would invariably spend long hours in meditation and prayer afterwards. Yeah, sure, of course. That makes it all fine. <laughs> she talks about her dad's dick, like, a lot. Um, so, yeah, so if you look up, uh, we'll put it on the on History of Sexy in the show notes, uh, .com. I and highly can... recommend that you do not click that link, but it will be there for the masochists among you. <laughs> Maybe if you wanted to, and if you really wanted to suffer, if you're the kind of person who liked watching like the ninth Saw film or something, um, <laughs> then you can maybe listen to that section of Maria's book while looking at it, and then just you know cry. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's what happened allegedly. And if should you go to St Petersburg, which one day I would like to, then you can go and see it. Yeah. Maybe read that section of Marie's <laughs> <laughs> And then just stare silently ahead of you for probably a good three hours. Yeah, maybe go and drink some good vodka. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, and the last thing, before we get to our close reading of Rara Rasputin, mm-hmm. um, is Theo GB, friend of the pod, good friend of the pod, um, pointed out in a message that uh, there are some... Uh, autopsy reports and some reports which say that Rasputin's body had stab wounds when it came out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so the autopsy reports are lost, but the Dr. Karasatov said in interviews that there was a large gash on the torso, which I've spelt wrong there, um, which, <laughs> okay. yeah, which might have been done with a sword or cutting object, um, but was almost certainly posthumous. Um, and might have been inflicted by the ice in the water along with the head wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might have been stabbed after he was dead. Um, or he might have just had his body flung about a bit. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, in kind of getting into the real descriptions of the state of the body when they got it out of the water, um, I found out that they used a grappling iron to fish his body out. Um, that will, which that totally will probably fucked his face up. leave a gash here or there. And they were like, yes, that might be responsible for some of the head and facial wounds. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's also, so Douglas Smith does reiterate quite a few times that the autopsy is missing. It vanished. No one knows where it is. All we have are these interviews. But in 1998, um, a French guy wrote a fake autopsy and then published it. Um, sure. And Why then not, as you do? Quite a few books since then, including that, to kill Rasputin, Andrew Cookwan, um, repeat it as fact. Um, and that has all kinds of stuff about water in the lungs and mutilated penises. Um, yeah. That is not true. Uh, but So he might have been stabbed, but he died from the gunshot wound to the middle of his forehead, um, which will kill most people. Yeah. Not the poison, though, because no, there was no poison. Because there was no poison. Make me the film, Janina. Make me the film. <laughs> It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Um, Who knows Armando Iannucci? (laughs) But now we turn to Boney M. Now we turn to Bernie M. The other foremost authority on the death of Rasputin. (laughs) Rasputin. Truly the um, highest form of (laughs) uh, artistic expression, I would say, Mm -hmm. about Rasputin. Yeah. Um, Quite why they wrote a story about Rasputin. No one knows. But we are grateful because it rips. It does rip. Um, it is a cracker. And there was recently a new version, a new remix of it, which has um, Bimini Bomb Boulash in the video. Uh, yeah. 
Put that in the show notes too, because it's a banger of a version. It is a banger. And we love to promote Bimini. Bimini rules. We do. We love Bimini. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, we're going to... Uh, it does go through the story of Rasputin in a surprising amount of detail. So, we're yeah. just going to discuss um, in pedantic detail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Their version of Rasputin. Um, Janina, you're gonna. I'm gonna make you do all of the lyrics. That's fine. I will do all of the lyrics. <clears throat> there lived a certain man in Russia long ago, which is like a relative thing, you know. Russia's been around there for a long time. Early Slavic states were established in the ninth century, and the first Tsar was crowned in 1547. So, comparatively speaking, it wasn't that long ago. Is all but I have equally, to say about that. Mm-hmm. It was some time ago, and he was a certain man in Russia, so... That is true. It's not incorrect. It's not incorrect. It's, just, it's, it's interpretation. Yeah, 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 we'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was big and strong, in his eyes a flaming glow. Now, you yeah. found a lot of details about his physical appearance, which is great. I found a lot of details about his physical So, according to the autopsy... Um, or according to the doctor's interview about the autopsy, he was five foot eleven, mm-hmm. um, which is not a bad height. He's not big though; he's definitely skinny. Yeah. Um, he is described as um, so. His friend Alexei Filipov uh, described him as exceptionally firm, not flabby, ruddy, and well proportioned, without the paunch and flaccid muscles muscles usual for his age. So we can go with strong, I guess. Yeah, I think like not not Mr. Universe level strong, but sturdy. Sturdy, yes. Yeah. And he did grow up on a farm as um Yeah. So he could probably wrangle a cow. Probably. Um the eye thing, however, with his eyes a flaming glow, is well attested. One, <laughs> if you've ever even seen a black and white photo of Rasputin, you will be aware that his eyes are a thing. Piercing um, piercing looks there. Yeah. Even through the piercing looks, they really like through black and white and a photo, they really do. Like, I have the Joseph Furman cover open on my desktop at the moment, and it is he's really looking at me. Um, <laughs> so there is an entire chapter in the Douglas Smith book called The Eyes, um, which pulls together descriptions of his eyes. Um, they are described as piercing you like needles. Uh-huh. Uh, the green rapacious fires of a voluptuary. Sure. Um, his niece said that the Sturettes has some especially amazing eyes, grey that can in an instant burn red. I'm his eyes that's are irresistible. <laughs> I assume so. <laughs> um, they are filled with their own inner magnetism. When in the presence of women, they catch fire with an unusual passion. Maria just said that her father's magnetic eyes possessed a disturbing fixity, which made people ill at ease. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, yeah, almost everyone who meets him, every description of him will say his eyes just pierce right through you. They are like needles um, mm-hmm. and they are um, either magnetic or terrifying, but we'll get to that in the next line. Yeah, which is... Most people looked at him with terror and fear, uh, which I feel like I don't think there was ever a poll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we can get an, an official sort of proportion. Definitely uh, a lot of people didn't like him by the end, but I don't know how much that is his person and or how much that is him, his meddling in uh, affairs of state. You know? Yeah. I did so Douglas Smith has two accounts of people um running fleeing from him in terror uh, one woman who found Rasputin's gaze so terrifying that she ran immediately to church in order to confess and purify herself <laughs> from his uh-huh. gaze and another Polish countess who went to pieces upon being seeing his eyes, screaming, I can't, I can't handle those eyes. They see everything. I can't take it and collapsing. That is... Well, okay, so we've got two so, people with, who are at least official two people. terror. Yeah. A, a non-zero amount I, of people looked at him with do terror. do not know off the top of my head what the population of Russia was at the time. <laughs> but... No people in my lifetime have ever run to church to confess as a result of 
seeing me or collapsed uh, no. in my presence. No, neither. Not, um, that, I, not that I know of. Um, so he's got that over all, a lot of people. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so I give him, you know, I give them th- three out of five for that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, this line <laughs> is, but to Moscow chicks, he was such a lovely dear, which is untrue. He lived in St. Petersburg with St. Petersburg yeah. chicks. Um, so this that, is, that line is incorrect. Uh, this one they've not even tried. Um, <laughs> you, they could have... Uh, you know, even to Met- Petrograd chicks, he was such a lovely dear. They could have tried harder with this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't even know if he went to Moscow. No. I mean, the, the most I could f- find was him going somewhere that was described as like 50 miles from Moscow or something, just as a relative. I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> poor. Poor. Yeah, poor effort. Uh, the next line is, he could preach the Bible like a preacher, full of ecstasy and fire. Um... We do know that, uh, like, uh, several bishops were pretty impressed with him as a, you know, a holy yeah. person. So I guess that does suggest that he was pretty up on his scriptures. And people do describe him as being, um, you know, as praying, particularly being into praying rather than the Gospels. But he liked to talk and pray. Um, yeah. And he was kind of more of an aesthetic than a preacher. Um, he wasn't often giving big meetings, but no, um, he did impress a non-zero number of bishops and a lot of women. Yeah, and I just—it's the bishops that that makes me think that he definitely could could do something with the Bible because I feel like it's easier to impress a random woman read <laughs> religious uh, situations than a bishop. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so maybe. I'll give that one a maybe. A firm maybe. He had that um, when he was in, like, in between times, between his wanderings, like, after his first wandering and before his wandering that took him to St. Petersburg, he dug a cave under his barn and used to have meetings there. Mm. Um, So maybe he was preaching the Gospels with ecstasy and fire then. Yeah, maybe. Um, The next line is, but he also was the kind of teacher women would desire. And I don't think that's incorrect. I don't think it's incorrect, but it's also desire is a is a particular thing, and woman women is a very broad category. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm willing to sign off on women in general desire. <laughs> so if we put in brackets, he was the kind of teacher some women would yeah. desire. You would be happier with that. I would. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now we hit the chorus. Ra, ra, Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. Perhaps the most salacious bit of rumour about him. Definitely. And the most difficult. People yeah. definitely believed that they were boning. Yeah. But then that is one of the big things that always sticks to a woman with political power is that she's boning someone she shouldn't. And she does spend a lot of time hanging out with Rasputin while her husband is away. She does. Which... There's no situation where that doesn't look suspicious. Mm. Um, although I found a thing that from 1920, um, rumours that Rasputin was the real father of Alexei were being written down as fact in like history books. Um, huh. Which doesn't work at all in because terms of timeline. well born before they ever met. Yeah. Um, but is nonetheless kind of shows how entrenched the idea that they were totally fucking was. Yeah. They were um, definitely very close. Uh, we no one I suspect that they, they were... Did. My gut feeling is not boning due to probably spending yeah. most of their time praying. And also her kids were around, like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's my gut feeling as well. Um, obviously, we might be wrong. Um, yeah, but, you know, so yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every people are allowed to have other opinions on the matter because we never know the truth. So, yeah, uh, um, so that's all we can say about whether or not he was the lover of the Yabu queen. sucks to you, positivists. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, a difficult one, um, yeah. but people people believe it, but we yeah. don't. Yes, definitely a firm rumor. Um, <laughs> There was a cat that really was gone. Um, he was gone. I mean, yeah, he was definitely gone. 
probably in oh, multiple my. ways. In multiple ways. If you take Teffy's description of him, like, I think the year before he died, he sounds pretty mm. ill um, and gone. <laughs> yeah. Ra Ra Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine. This is a bold claim, and I don't think that it can be substantiated. <laughs> And it is yep. worrying that the best evidence we have for it comes from his daughter. It is weird, isn't it? It's very um, weird. Weird. Yeah. There aren't any accounts of actual women who did bone him saying, yeah, that was the best sex I've ever had. So I'm not yeah. I'm not convinced. Again, in the 1920s, by the 1920s, it was um, believed very strongly that... Um, Rasputin, so an English biography of Rasputin published in 1920 described him as certainly suffering from what is variously described as prepotentia, priapism, satiriasis, and he could prolong a woman's pleasure indefinitely without any specific satisfaction to himself. Um, and by 1920, the number of his conquests was given as in the thousands. Um <laughs> Grigory Bostunich, who uh, later defected to Nazi Germany and became an SS officer, <laughs> oh, good. Um, said that Rasputin was the kind of man who made his career thanks solely to the sexual anomaly, what doctors called priapism and what the common folk call the wolf's disease. So um, his, all of his success was due to the fact that he could just keep going and going like an Energizer bunny. Yeah, mm. like that he basically had, like if you take Viagra and it never wears off. But yeah, so all certainly very quickly uh, it was believed, and indeed by Maria, it was believed that he had insatiable sexual desires that um, were literally insatiable because he never came. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which sounds boring, but that's just me. Yeah. And yeah, it was considered to be, again, unclear whether he is Russia's greatest love machine. Russia has a thousand you know, thousands of years of history. Yeah. Um, but it's difficult to think of someone in Russian history who is described as being so much of a shagger. Yeah, yeah, we will give them that. <laughs> Although, if you take... So Douglas Smith really likes Rasputin. Yeah. And he can thinks that he is quite fairly, genuinely uh, an aesthetic religious figure, like... Not a Christ figure, but one who has a genuine belief in like asceticism in order to be closer to God and a kind yeah. of um an ability to talk about um religion and yeah. God and orthodoxy um in a way that impresses people um and it, because he is genuinely interested in it and genuinely has a passion for it mm-hmm. um and that therefore he probably was not going around boning everybody. Because his, his faith was true and genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that the, the uh, combination of the eyes and the power um, and the fact that he was a peasant, which really freaked people out. As we talked about in the first episode, peasants are basically a different race of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, like in the way that race is constructed from the people that Rasputin hung out with, he is essentially a talking monkey Um, never talked to anyone like him before yeah um what they do is buy and sell people like him um and talk about them not to them so that is what he believes like the only way that they can possibly understand him is as a, a sexual monster sure but he thinks that he is genuinely a believer um, and therefore, he doesn't think that he was much of a shagger at all. Sure. I'm I'm not sure I agree with that assessment, but, you know, he's sure. <laughs> he really likes Rasputin, though. He really, <laughs> as I say, he absolutely despises Yusupov. So we do not, we have opposite feelings. <laughs> yeah, we do not see eye to eye. We are firmly team Yusupov. The next line is, it was a shame how he carried on. Which I think is fair. Yeah. That's I think that's very fair. Yeah. Verse two, he ruled the Russian land and never mind the Tsar. I think there's a bit of a misrepresentation. I think he just told, like, convinced the Tsar of things. Or maybe just yeah. told the Tsar what he wanted to hear so hard that it sounded like he was convincing him of things. Yeah. 
Although there's a lot of people talking about him kind of getting people jobs and kind of controlling the administrative and mm. um, aspects of the government um, and getting people in ministerial positions. Like he could write a note and get things done yeah. behind the scenes. So he didn't really need to have the Tsar do anything because he all it needed was a word from Rasputin and a problem would be solved or some paperwork would be released or um, someone would get a job or lose a job. But or... I don't think that qualifies really as... Like he wasn't, he wasn't writing policy necessarily no. and you know it's sneakier um, than that isn't it yeah it's a bit more just like you you know it's 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 he's a varus he's the, the, <laughs> yeah yeah um, you get the right people in the right place yeah and um, fuck the czar yeah or his I mean. wife ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i made the, myself laugh right? <laughs> Um, but the Kazachok he danced was really wunderbar. Uh, Kazachok is a, I think, a Ukrainian folk dance. Yeah, um, which he probably wasn't doing due to probably, the fact that he was not Ukrainian. No. And they are very different things. Um, we do have a description of him dancing. Yeah, which which I feel like each of us are interpreting in different ways. Yes. Um, well, I think that sounds like great fun, and you think that this sounds terrible. Oh, no, I think it sounds like it could be great fun. I just don't think that it's wonderful dancing. I don't know that we would describe this as Wunderbar, which is fair. <laughs> no. So this comes from um, an essay by Teffy um, about a dinner that she had with him, the dinner where they were all trying to get him to talk about his sex antiques and he kept just trying to talk about God. So it was a room. He had brought his own band because apparently he brought players wherever he went. Um, he... So music starts up and he suddenly began to skip and dance. He thrust a knee forward, shook his beard about and circled round and round. His (laughs) face looked tense and bewildered. (laughs) (laughs) That bit makes me feel like he doesn't really want to be dancing, but he is. (laughs) Um, His movements were frenzied. He was always ahead of the music as if unable to stop. Rasputin was now leaping about like a goat, mouth hanging open, skin drawn tight over his cheekbones, locks of his hair whipping across the sunken sockets of his eyes. He was dreadful to behold, his pink shirt billowing out behind him like a balloon. Um, This is, to be fair, in an apartment where people have got together for a dinner party when nobody else is dancing and where they were previously having a normal conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. And he yeah. just launched into a deranged dance. Um, yeah. Which so just, it, was, it just sounds to me like he danced with great energy, but not skill. Which is how people describe my dancing. So <laughs> maybe that's why I am sympathetic. <laughs> yeah, maybe we have that in common. <laughs> um, next line is, in all affairs of state, he was the man to please. Again, I mean, which I think is true. It could have. He, I think, yeah, yeah. Pleasing him would definitely serve you well. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot um, in in almost everything that's written about him of him just having that influence that is informal power, whereby he can talk to the right people and for right up until the end, like send a note to the right bureaucrat, and because it's got Rasputin's name on it. The right, like, wheels will be greased. Yes, because no one wants to um, upset Alexandra. <laughs> yeah, because God knows what she'll do. Um, but he was real great when he had a girl to squeeze. This, I mean, this is a difficult one to pass. I do get the impression that he, uh, he did not have a solid grasp of enthusiastic consent. So uh, I don't think that he had a grasp of consent. He, there's definitely stories of him, like just grabbing people's boobs yeah which is not ideal and he Um, like he's a hugger he's a real hugger i would describe that as not great no but then i suppose are they saying that he when they say he was real great are they saying he was happy when he had a girl to squeeze or that he was very good at squeezing girls yeah i don't know see this is the thing it's the phrasing is a little bit ambiguous the phrasing is challenging hmm um, you can, you we can, could spend an hour on this phrasing. Yeah, I think we'll leave people to make up their own minds on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, but he was definitely a hugger and he liked to squeeze a girl. Uh, yeah. This is one of the things that endeared him to people was that he would launch into a room and be a peasant and then hug everyone yeah. um, and kiss their cheek. And again, people were either like, oh my goodness, this is hilarious, or I need to go and acid bath myself. Yeah. For the queen, he was no wheeler dealer, though she had heard the things he'd done. She believed he was a holy healer who would heal her son. True. Yep. True. Yeah, 100% true. 100% um, true. Yeah. Then we're at the course again, which we have been through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't need to retread right. that one. Um, but when his drinking and lusting and his hunger for power became known to more and more people, the demands to do something about this dangerous man, oh, about this outrageous man, become became louder and louder. I mean, Very yeah, true. Also true. Um, it was almost universally despised in Russia. Um, yeah. There were, it was kind of a hysteria that getting rid of Russia, getting rid of Rasputin would save Russia and everybody wanted to kill him. Um, yeah. And there was... Great joy when he died. Yeah. I think it was particularly the amount of sway he held over the Tsar that was, you know, the the main problem. Yes, it was, yeah. yes. That was the issue. despised. Um, this man's just got to go, declared his enemies, but the ladies begged, don't you try to do it, please. Um, I think the only lady I know of saying that is Irina Yusupova, who did say, <laughs> definitely don't do it, but especially do not do it without me. So I guess that's definitely yeah. true. Possibly because she knew how much of a bumbling bunch of fools all the Grand Dukes were. <laughs> she, she knew her husband well. <laughs> couldn't be trusted to do anything bar pick a carpet. Um, but uh, Alexandra wasn't into it. She was like, don't. Yeah. Very no, sad but, I mean, about the situation. But she didn't but know about it ahead that, of time. Yeah. So. Um, as far as we're aware, the women who knew about it ahead of time were largely into it. Yeah. If not into their husband's competence no doubt this Rasputin had lots of hidden charms though he was a brute they just fell into his arms I don't know who they mean by they uh, but some some people appear to have so yeah I guess I I suppose they're talking about just women in general yeah Yeah. Um, don't know was he a brute I mean that seems harsh yeah going around punching people in the face or anything no I mean, the, I guess the uh, the groping is pretty brutish. I suppose. It feels classist, is what I'm saying. It does feel a little classist, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> then one night, some men of higher standing set a trap they're not to blame. Oh, I think we can definitely blame them. I think we can blame them for killing him. I think if you feel like they are not to blame for deciding that he needed to be killed, there's an argument there. Um, but they definitely did do it, so... Yeah, this is a conversation that I have a lot about the assassins of Julius Caesar. Um, Yeah. You know, can you... Obviously, everyone apart from me likes Julius Caesar, whereas I think he was a maniac who deserved to die. Um, (laughs) So that is an immediate point of contention. But, uh, you know, does it exonerate them that he was a maniac that deserved to die? Or are they, you know... Yeah, I mean, um, I don't generally speaking like like approve of murdering Killing. people um as as a rule but 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 you can see how you would end up with the situate the conclusion that there's no other way to get rid of him and they yeah. solve this problem and to go a bit mad about it yeah yeah but you can definitely blame them like brutus and cassius probably shouldn't have done that stabbing yeah um you suppose probably should have bought some actual poison but <laughs> <laughs> um i see i you know i but we do blame them yeah, yeah. They are definitely to blame for his death. That's true. Uh, oh, then that's not true because they said not to blame, so. Come to visit us, they kept demanding, and he really came. It doesn't seem like they had to keep demanding. I think it was more just one invitation with a false promise that um, he would get to meet yeah. Irina. But sure. Or you know. come to my basement. Yeah, it was really just the one. The one. Come and hang out. Yeah. But fine. Um, he did go. He did. Then we're back to the chorus, but it's different this time. Rara Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen, they put some poison into his wine. Um, they put not poison into his wine instead. Yeah, we don't know what they put in there due to the fact they got switched about six times. <laughs> um, but Yusupov thought he was putting poison in the wine. <laughs> 
So I guess it's kind of true uh, to all intents and purposes from Yusupov's point of view. Uh, yeah. Not Maybe actually this is physically a true. Story from Yusupov's perspective. Maybe. Hmm. Um, it would explain that they're not to blame thing. Cause... It would. Yeah. Um, and although it would probably have more about him being a literal devil. Ra <laughs> <laughs> um, Ra Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine, he drank it all and said, I feel fine. I mean, not verbatim, but essentially he did appear to feel fine. Um, Due because to the was, lack of poison, there was, yeah. Yeah, there was no poison. Because he was just drinking aspirin. Um, <laughs> probably wouldn't have felt fine after a while. No, it's not good to overdose on aspirin, but it was not actual poison. Um, <laughs> Ra Ra Rasputin, lover of the Russian queen. They didn't quit. They wanted his head. Um, my only quibble here is that the, they didn't quit. They wanted his head really implies like firm resolve and determination um where it feels like the actual death was just a moment of just sheer panic uh, rather than (laughs) (laughs) rather than anything else Um, they did their best yeah Um, he's not dead what do but you know the results are the same um, they, I mean, they did shoot him several times, so yes, which I guess is, they which were is fairly determined. Where we're going next, which is Rara Rasputin, Russia's greatest love machine, and so they shot him till he was dead, which yes, is very true, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, it is extremely the, true. The last line is just, "Oh, those Russians," which can't argue with it. Can't argue with that. So there you um, go. I think Bonian were pretty much right, like uh, most of the time. I mean. Five ten, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, yeah. It could have d- suggested, for example, that he um, sold his soul to the devil in order to win the Romanov. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it could, and then he came back to life to kill the one last Romanov that he didn't get the first time. Due around. to the fact that he was in a room when the last Romanov was revealed. But he had been in limbo for a decade. Yeah. Did he think the Romanovs were all dead while he was in limbo? Or was that was why he, he really was annoyed? in limbo? Because it didn't happen because one of them survived. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Why does he want the Romanovs dead? I have a lot of questions about that part. That's, Less questions you know, about everything else. I think that because he's evil. He's evil and just, so he wants that. the Romanovs dead. See, this is part of this weird thing that Americans do. Like, did that? I know it's not Disney, but it is on Disney Plus, and I'm going to put it in with the Disney like <laughs> umbrella. Yeah, whereby Americans do not have a monarchy and are very against the concept of monarchy. Yes, and like you know, culturally, the whole King George bad, monarchy yeah. bad, republic good. Yeah, but all of like these things under this umbrella, and quite a lot of media that they produce has this kind of idea that comes from European mythology that royal families are inherently good. Yes. And often magical. Yes. And that just inherently injuring a royal family is evil. Yes. I wonder if that's because they did their revolution far away from the actual royal family and didn't touch (laughs) any of them or hurt any of them. Whereas the Russian Um, and the French revolutions very much involved touching and hurting and killing the royal family. Maybe. Hmm. It's. I mean, it's basically just a, a repetition of, like, European medieval... Yeah. Like, royal uh, hierarchies that believe in basically the divine right of kings. Yeah. Um, that says that royal families are inherently and biologically and genetically and in the soul better than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why they're the king and you're not. But it, it's odd that they reproduce it and never interrogate it. <laughs> it is. It's very strange. Anyway, uh, that's anyway, cracking uh, film. unnecessary. <laughs> cracking really film. fun watch. Had a good time. Uh, not about bad things. Um, yeah, I think that's the end of Rasputin. That's the end of Rasputin. What are we going to talk about next? Next week, we are going to talk about the history of Malta. Yeah. Um, we have a question from Alistair Williams, who has asked us whether the tiny, bizarre island of Malta has had a huge effect on history. Yeah. So we're going to look at that. I'm interested to know what's bizarre about it. Yeah, I, I know very, very little about Malta. I feel like I know one Maltese person and that's it. I know the dogs. There are the dogs. 
Um, the Romans really liked Maltese dogs. Um, but yeah. So we're going to find out. Um, yeah. Until then, you can find us at www.historyofsexy.com. Um, we will put a link to the horrible photo of supposedly Rasputin's penis in the show notes. You do not need... Again, I stress, you do not need to click on that link. But it will be Yeah, there. but um, you will be fine if you don't. But should you want to, <laughs> it's there. Um, and you can also find links to our Twitter and our Kofi. And if you want to ask us a question, then there's a contact form. Um, and you can now sign up to support us monthly if you want. We have nine monthly supporters now, Janina. Oh, that's wonderful. Only Thank two so of much. whom are just someone. Um, so we have Scott, Philip, Valentine, someone called Banshee Workshop. Nils, Amanda, and Rosie. So thank you very much to yeah. all of you and to the two anonymous people. Thank you so much. We um, really appreciate that. We do. It has made it, um, a combination of things has made it so that I will now doing my last week and a half of full-time work and then I will be part-time so I can yeah. write books. Yeah. Um, which is very exciting to me. It's very, very exciting. Yeah. And every little bit helps me reduce my hours even further. <laughs> And write more books. And if you have read Emma's yeah. books, you know that we want her to write more. So, um, And Janina, for Americans, has a book coming out. I do. I do have a book coming out in November. It's, it's called You Feel It Just Below the Ribs. It's a alternate history uh, weird sort of... It's, a, it's an autobiography set in a, an alternate history starting <laughs> in the early, in an early fake 20th century. Um, and it's yeah. a novel, but it has footnotes, because why not? I love a footnote. I love um, a footnote. And I have read it, and it is great. And I uh, was one of those books where I kept like reading it on my phone and letting things burn while I was reading it. Um, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Because I was not paying attention to anything that I was doing other than reading it. That's um, the greatest compliment so... I've ever had. I know, right? Um, I think it's the best compliment you can give a book. If you are in the US or Canada, you can pre-order that from any bookshop you want. And um, if you're not in the US or Canada, then you just have to pray along with me that someone else uh, buys it for your territory. And it comes out there as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so pre-order that and um, we will see you next week well two weeks just the done yet